are about to radically alter the way that you think about time. Hello to the friends, family, and members of Crown Council, and welcome. My name is Rory Vaden, and I'm the co-founder of Southwestern Consulting, a New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs, and the author of the new book, Procrastinate on Purpose, Five Permissions to Multiply Your Time. You have received the invitation to watch this video because the people at Crown Council care about you. Crown Council is a group that truly wants to make a positive impact on the world and they want to help you grow your business and so they are always looking for ways to make your life better. They've partnered with our team to provide this training because we are close with them and our latest research has stumbled across some ways to give you the thing that we all want more of, which is more time. 75% of our clients say that time management is the single biggest challenge in their life and business and they feel like they are always putting out fires. And so our team has gone on a mission to try to understand how some of the highest performing people on the planet think differently about time. You are about to learn how to have more peace with less stress and how to truly get more done in less time. A big part of that is going to be in helping you understand the five ways that these multipliers actually create more time in their lives. And not only that, but you're going to see why some of the old theories of time management no longer work. At Southwestern, our mission is simple, to be the best organization in the world at helping people develop the skills and the character they need to achieve their goals in life. Let's get started with yours. Everything you know about time management is wrong. Hmm. That is the assumption that we start this journey with. This journey, this unexpected journey that has turned into yet another book from our team at Southwestern Consulting. You see, over the last nine years, we've been very blessed and fortunate to work with over 3,200 coaching clients now. That is 3,200 people one-on-one -on -one in their daily lives trying to understand how the most effective people in the world get things done and get more done and how is it that they create results. We've worked with over 7,000 teams and what we have found is that it is absolutely true that everything that we thought we knew about time management is wrong. This webinar is an attempt to help explode some of those myths to to help you realize some things for your life for your business that are going to help you be more productive and have more peace and you know if you just think about everything that's going on in your daily life if you just stop for a second and think about all that is happening around time right I mean just on any given day right we wake up we have to get ready we have to run errands where there's driving to and from work there's paying bills there's doing housework there's cooking and eating I mean all of those things the average person can spend up to five hours a day just on personal preparation right just on living just on the act of being alive of simply breathing five hours a day which is wild right because if you sleep seven or eight hours out of every day and you're spending five hours just taking care of yourself then that means that half of your day is gone before you ever even do anything productive before you ever take a step towards achieving your goals before you ever move in the direction of accomplishing what it is that you want most in your life half of your day is gone 
right? And then that doesn't even count when you finally get to the office and, and you sit down to actually do some work and now you have emails and voicemails and text messages and meetings and, and tweets and Facebook updates and conference calls. Recently, I read in Business Week that the average person spends one hour a day looking for stuff. Looking for stuff. <laughs> And that's crazy, right? Just looking for files on our computer, looking for directions, looking for our phone, looking for our keys, looking for a person, looking for what clothes to wear, just looking for stuff. And it is amazing how fast time passes by. And here's what's fascinating is we're working faster than ever. Right? Most of us are working longer hours than ever before, and we have more technology, right? And, and it's, it's we're trying to keep up with it all, but most of us, what we end up is a life that looks something like this. We're sick, we're tired, we're stressed, we're frustrated, we're, we're working more than ever, and we have less and less peace. We have more things on our to-do list, despite the fact that we're working longer and longer hours. And sometimes, honestly, I have this incredible anxiety it's like I spend all weekend trying to catch up on email and then by Monday at 1130 I've got over a hundred emails back in my inbox right have you ever been there have you ever been in that place wondering is this ever gonna get better is it possible to really create some systems in my life to get all this craziness under control because most of us end up looking like this lady in reality all we want in life is to be this guy <laughs> right? Yoga dog. That is the essence of what we want in life. So what I'm going to do here quickly is walk you through a little bit of a history of time management theory. And in order to take you where we're going, we need to look back on to this whole development of where time management theory has come from. And originally in, I guess, more like the 50s and 60s is where it really seems like time management developed in terms of, of being an area of thought, of being an, an area of actual study. And it started with this one-dimensional thinking. It's, it was sort of era one thinking as we are now referring to it. And the big strategy was efficiency, right? That was the big strategy because the idea was to develop tools and technology, tips and tricks to help us get our to-do lists done faster right and that, and that was the idea it was it was one dimensional it was if I have 10 items on my to-do list if I can get these 10 items done faster by leveraging technology or tools or manufacturing or whatever then theoretically I would have more margin left over at the end of my day and that margin is what I would be able to use for leisure or for planning time or for training or for strategic planning or for you know, doing whatever it is that I want to do with my life outside of work. But the thing is, is that there is a limitation to efficiency. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with efficiency. All things being equal, efficiency is good. In fact, efficiency is great, but there is a limitation of efficiency. And it's something that is kind of obvious, but it's really not so obvious. And at the end of the day, it's very much worth stating, and that is this, that the amount of busy work always expands to fill the amount of time we allow to be available. See, here's what the great limitation is, because we thought by being more efficient that that would create more time and more margin and more space in our lives. And so we worked frantically to get through our to-do list. And maybe you are working frantically in your life to try to get caught up. 
right? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with working hard. Certainly not. I'm not. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with doing things efficient. Efficiency is great, but there is a limitation. There is a problem that if we don't realize it, we're going to stay on this treadmill forever and ever because the reality is that busy work keeps showing up. Right? When you finish those 10 items on your to-do list, it's not that you have margin and space left over. It's that you have another 10 items on your to-do list, right? There is always more to do than we can ever do. And that's that is today especially true because now we have social media and, and Google and instant access to all of these different things available at our fingertips. And so it's frustrating when a person is who is living with the primary strategy of efficiency as their real-time management skill. Well, that led to an era of what we kind of refer to as two-dimensional thinking or era two thinking. And this is a word that you hear all the time about time management, right? You hear this word prioritizing. Prioritizing. You got to prioritize. You know, I get that you're busy, but if you're busy, really, you just have a prioritizing problem. And people say that, and honestly, it's a little bit frustrating because it's like, well, okay, how many times can I hear that I need to be better at prioritizing before it actually helps me create more time in my life? And, and that is the problem because, you see, prioritizing is very powerful, and really, it was brought in, I think, uh, the dawn or the birth of it, I think, was really driven largely in the late 80s with the release of a book that truly changed the world. And the book was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by the late Dr. Stephen Covey. It's a seminal work, sold over 25 million copies worldwide, one of the all-time best-selling books ever in any genre, anywhere in the world. And what Dr. Covey sort of introduced us to was actually something that had existed in some work before that, but he really popularized it and he broke it down. In, in his work, he talks about a time management matrix. And uh, because of copyright issues, I'm not allowed to actually walk you through the time management matrix, but we do have permission from uh, Franklin Covey, from that organization, to, to, to talk about the concepts here of prioritizing because this diagram that you're looking at existed really before them um, but you can't really take a time management course without somebody bringing up Dr. Covey's time management matrix and again I can't walk you through all the details of it here but the essence of it is based around this framework which is was used before that work is that the y-axis represents importance and the x-axis represents urgency Right, And that basically if you take each task in your life, you're going to score it on these two scales. And the combination of those scores is going to dictate to you what level of priority you should assign to the task. Now here's what's interesting. See, the idea with prioritizing, the, the actual word prioritizing means literally to put one thing in front of another. Right, the strategy here was to do a set of calculations in your mind of if you have 10 items on your to-do list, to do a set of calculations and score them and to determine which ones are the most worthy of having your attention. The, the strategy was to focus first on what matters most, to actually prioritize, to put one thing in front 
of another. So this one has nothing to do with doing things more efficiently. This is to focus first on what matters most. And prioritizing is kind of like taking item number seven on your to-do list and based on the score that you give it on your two-dimensional scoring chart, right, you are going to elevate number seven on your to-do list and you're going to bump it up to become number one. And there's nothing wrong with prioritizing. Prioritizing is a valuable skill. It's more valuable than ever before. And the principles that Dr. Covey talked about and that many of the time manage, management experts have taught you, likely in the courses and, and the books that you've read, right, are still very, very viable. They're still useful. But, and this is a big but, there is a limitation to prioritizing. And nobody ever talks about it. See, since the late 80s, we've kind of said that prioritizing is the final answer on what greats it makes a great time management time management. But there is not uh, it's not the final answer because there is a limitation to prioritizing and that limitation is this. Prioritizing does not create more time. It simply and only puts one thing in front of another. Right? Prioritizing, there's nothing about prioritizing that creates more time. It is simply taking one thing and putting it in front of another. So that's a valuable skill. It's worthwhile. It's relevant. It's something that you need to do. But the limitation is that you can be the world's best prioritizer and you're still going to be busier than ever because there is still more to do than you can ever get to, right? And this prioritizing is where the the metaphor of juggling comes into place because that's what prioritizing is. Anyone who knows anything about juggling is that you don't watch all the balls in the air. You focus on one ball at a time and then you focus on the next one and the next one and the next one. And that's what we do with our time is we're we're prioritizing perpetually. We're prioritizing efficiently. In fact, our priorities shift second by second as each email comes into our inbox or each text message or each tweet and we have become so good at prioritizing it's like we're juggling really fast in in our coaching program we have just we have seen some insanely fast jugglers right some of our consulting clients are insanely fast jugglers they keep up with lots of things they got lots of balls spinning in the air lots of plates it's it's incredible to watch them and maybe that's you but what is so disheartening is realizing that none of that is actually going to create more time. You're simply and only taking one thing and putting it in front of another. And so that brought us to an important question. The question that ultimately spurred the research that became uh, this new book, Procrastinate on Purpose. And that is simply how do the most successful people today think in regards to how they choose to spend their time? How do the most successful people today think in regards to how they spend their time? Not 30 years ago, but what are they doing now? And that is what our team at Southwestern Consulting and myself, uh, it's the research that we've been spearheading, is trying to really understand. There's all of these things like, you know, time management or, or work-life balance. And are those things that ultra performers really agree with? And in fact, very similar to Take the Stairs. And any of you that are familiar with the first book, my first book, Take the Stairs, 
we studied self-discipline in that book and we asked the question do the most disciplined people in the world are they just born that way or do they think differently and what we found was that they absolutely do think very differently in fact take the stairs has turned quickly into this uh, international phenomenon uh, 11 different foreign languages now and I think it's simply because people are realizing that self-discipline isn't as hard as you think when you know how to think about it the right way so we took a similar approach to asking how do the most successful people today think about time do they agree with the cliches that we often hear? Do they actually practice the same strategies everybody else does? Or do they think differently? And as it turns out, they do think differently. Ultra performers that we have studied are ushering in a new era of thinking. Something that we are now referring to as three-dimensional thinking. So in Procrastinate on Purpose, we are introducing this era. This is the era that we think we have now entered into. Because while most people make decisions based upon only urgency and importance, right, that, that y-axis and that x-axis, a multiplier, as we are now calling them, factors in a third calculation, and that calculation is based on significance significance so the y-axis is importance the x-axis is urgency but this z-axis is significance it's an unconscious calculation that multipliers make multipliers and ultra performers now an interchangeable term um, multipliers is what we refer to the people some of the people that we studied and profiled in the new book and similar to take the stairs there are eight profiles from real-life multipliers included in the new book but they think differently they make this unconscious almost immediate calculation based on a different set of criteria from most people and that criteria enables them to think differently about time and choose to spend their time differently and therefore they get different re results so let me clarify here just a little bit urgency is how soon does this matter right but importance is how much does this matter and up into up until now those are the two primary criteria that people have sort of been using consciously to calculate what activities they should dedicate the most attention to right or the most focus to or dedicating their first focus to it's an order of it's the calculation they make to establish the order of priority but according to multipliers there is a third calculation it's a calculation that they make that not necessarily everybody else does and significance is not about how soon does this matter or how much does this matter but how long does it matter let me give you a quick example let's think for a second let's pretend that you are a rich financial advisor who only deals with high net worth individuals all right let's just pretend for a second that that's who you are and that's the scenario under what scenario would a rich financial advisor choose consciously to spend time with a broke teenager as a business income producing activity right okay under what scenario would a rich financial advisor who only deals with high net worth clients spend time with a broke teenager Think about it for a second. 
Now, depending on your answer, I asked this question to an early group that we were sharing this this content and testing this content out as we were editing the book. And uh, I asked this question, and this guy said, if he was dating my daughter, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, but I'm talking about a business for a business purpose. And here's the answer. The reason that a rich financial advisor who only deals with high net worth in individuals or clients would spend time with a broke teenager is if that broke teenager is the son or daughter of rich parents, right? Why? Why? Because one day that rich parent, that rich mom or dad or that rich couple is going to die. And where is that money going to go? That money is going to go to the broke teenager. And if you, the financial advisor, if you don't have a good relationship with that teenager, then what's the teenager going to do? He's going to go out and he's going to spend it, right? Or, or worse, he's going to invest it with somebody else that he trusts. So today it's not urgent, right? The, the kid doesn't have any money, so it's not urgent. It doesn't matter right now. It's not soon. It only becomes urgent when the parents die. And today it doesn't matter much because the kid is broke. He doesn't have much money. But when you factor in over the course of time who this person is and how their situation might become important and urgent, when you make the significance calculation, it becomes obvious. When you add the element of time and you factor in a long-term perspective, you realize that spending time with this kid, with this child, could actually be of business income producing significance you know to modify the the example a little bit let's say that the kid not only was the kid broke let's say that they're that the this this boy's parents are also broke so now if you're a rich financial advisor who only deals with high net worth individuals under what circumstances would you spend your time with a broke teenager who also has broke parents only should take a, a second to realize right what if that kid is the next Justin Bieber, right? Or Taylor Swift or Mark Zuckerberg or LeBron James? The answer is what if that kid has a chance to become very, very wealthy, right? They have some potential to, to be drafted in the NFL or become a rock star. That's the same thing that top financial advisors actually do with their clients as they stratify their clients, not just based on who has the most money, not just based on who's the most influential uh, in their business, but who also has the potential to make a lot of money. Top financial advisors are making a significance calculation, and you should be doing the same. It's interesting because the significance calculation is the counterbalancing force of one of the biggest problems that we addressed in Take the Stairs, which is priority dilution. Somebody who struggles with priority dilution struggles uh, because they are always getting pulled to what is urgent or the tyranny of the urgent, as it's been said. And that is that they know they should be doing certain things that are important, that, but that are not urgent. These are things like planning and training and setting goals and personal development and getting coaching. Those are things that we know we should be doing, but they tend to give way right? They tend to give way. Even things like working out in our personal lives, they tend to give way to the fires. Always we fall victim to whatever is latest and loudest. But as you make the significance calculation, it starts to change everything. So our theory, our hypothesis, our premise 
is that in order to change your life and make your life better, in order to get more control of your time, in order to have better systems, in order to feel more empowered, like you're going to get your life back and to have more margin and space and, and just to have more peace, what we think is that you don't need any more tips or tricks. Right? You don't need any more time management tips and tricks. You also don't need any more calendars and checklists to help you prioritize. And you don't need any more tools or technology to help you do things faster. What you really need is permission. What you need is permission. You need to give yourself permission. Why? Why do you need permission? Because we realize after all the coaching we've done, the research, the profiling, interviewing top producers, working with some of the most successful thought leaders on the planet, right? After spending all that time, something has changed. And that is that how we choose to spend our time isn't just logical. It's also emotional. This really hit me about a year ago. I was with my one of my business partners, Dustin, one of the co-founders of Southwestern Consulting. And I was with Dustin, and it was our global senior partners retreat. And so we had all of our top leaders from Southwestern Consulting flying into Nashville, literally from around the world, for a day of strategizing and planning. And it's a very sacred time, very precious time. costs a lot of money to get all of us together in one room. And Dustin and I woke up, and we thought, hey, let's hit the gym early before the planning starts just to kind of get our mind right. So we go to the gym, and then – uh, we stopped by my house, you know, I changed, and Dustin wanted to grab a change of clothes before we went to the office, and it was a Saturday. It was the only day that we could really coordinate everybody's schedules to be together. Well, as we're leaving Dustin's house, his two-year-old baby girl, Haven Hillis, Haven comes running down the hallway. She's the cutest thing you've ever seen. She just woke up. She's got her, her curls bouncing around, and she still has her pajamas on, and she goes, Daddy, where are you going? Daddy, where are you going? And he goes, oh, Haven, I'm so sorry. I have to go to work. And, and in this moment, she looks up, looks up at his eyes, and she jumps and latches around his leg, and she looks up at him basically with tears in her eyes, and she says, Daddy, no, no work, Daddy, no work today. And my heart sank. And it occurred to me, for the first time ever in my life, in that very moment, that time management isn't just logical. It's also emotional. The way you choose to spend your time is driven as much by feelings of guilt and worry and fear and pressure and anxiety as they are from anything else. Right, But where is the book on that? Where, where is the training on that? Because every time management course I've ever taken is all about you know, a different organization system for our files or, or it's flow charts and it's maps and it's ways to be more organized or it's a new app to somehow make us more efficient. And nobody talks about the human emotional side of time management. And today in the world that we live in, that we're moving so fast and we have so much technology and so much communication – it's really about managing our emotions, and that has as much to do with our time as anything else. And so that brings us to the entire message of the Procrastinate on Purpose book. 
I'm going to lay it out for you here in one sentence. This is it. You don't have to buy the book to get the secret. I'm going to give you the secret right here, right now, right up front. And if you don't remember anything else, I believe that this one sentence will change your life. Because if era one was about managing your time and doing, thing efficient, doing things efficiently, and era two was about prioritizing your time and focusing first on what matters most and, and putting one thing in front of the other, then welcome to era three, which is multiplying your time. And how do multipliers do it? What are multipliers doing different from, from you? What are they doing different from everyone else in the world? How do you multiply your time? Very simple. You multiply your time by giving yourself the emotional permission to spend time on things today that will give you more time tomorrow. Let me say that again. You multiply your time by giving yourself the emotional permission to spend time on things today that will give you more time tomorrow. See, that is based on the significance calculation. right? Doing things efficiently is great. That might help you get more things done today. And prioritizing is great because it might help you focus on making sure you get the, the most important thing done today but neither of those things are going to create more time tomorrow unless you choose to prioritize the thing that will give you more time tomorrow it's expanding your paradigm it is expanding your perspective from rather than from only basing and calculating what you choose to spend time on based on here and now and what is important and urgent today is that you give yourself the permission to think longer term to think not what is most important today, but what can I do today that is going to create the most impact or change in my life tomorrow and in the future. But the permission comes in is because you, you're going to have to give yourself permission to focus on those things because you're constantly going to be battling priority dilution and the tyranny of the urgent. That phrase, priority dilution, that we introduced in Take the Stairs, almost every national media appearance that we got when we were on Fox and Friends Morning Show and in the Wall Street Journal and in the New York Times, all of the, the Fast Company, every major uh, media appearance we got when we launched the Take the Stairs book was focused in on this concept of priority dilution. Well, what we didn't realize then that we finally figured out now is that it is emotional permission is what you really need. It's not about being more organized. It's not about having more calendars and checklists. It's not about having a better app or, or a faster computer or, or a better calendar system necessarily. All of those things are good, but you will just be running on the treadmill until you give yourself permission to spend time on things today that will give you more time tomorrow. So how do you give yourself that permission? Enter in the focus funnel. The focus funnel, what you're looking at here, is meant to be a visual depiction, a visual representation 
of the thought process that the multipliers go through unconsciously or subconsciously in their brain that they don't even they didn't even realize they were going through this we only figured it out because we were working with thousands of them one on one day in and day out right in our coaching program we're working thousands of people and we're profiling dozens of the top ones for being you know research and featuring in this book and our various white papers and things at southwestern consulting and we put this in front of them and that was how it was validated. They said, this is exactly what I do. I've never been able to teach people how to do it. I've never understood why it's so easy for me. So here's how the focus funnel works. Every day, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, right? You, we all have tasks, stuff. We have emails, the voicemails, the meetings, the, the things we have to, we have to do. Um, the things to do, the personal errands, all that stuff. We have tasks. And what I'm going to introduce you here to is the framework for the entire Procrastinate on Purpose book. All right? This is the process that they go through in their head. Now, the first thing is eliminate. The first thing they try to do is eliminate. They ask themselves, is this task even worth doing? The second thing they ask is they say, can I automate this task? Is it can it be systematized, right? I want to eliminate it, automate it. If I can't eliminate it and I can't automate it, then the next question is basically, can I delegate it? Can this be done by somebody else? Now, if the answer to all three of those is no, th at that point, then and only then, do you know for sure that you have a task that must be done and it must be done by you. So eliminate, automate, delegate, and then when you get down to the realization that the task must be done by you, there's only one remaining question. And that question is, should I do this task now or should I do this task later? And if you're going to choose to do the task later, okay, we have eliminate, automate, delegate. And if you choose to do the task later, consciously, you are making the choice to do this later, you are going to procrastinate on purpose and there is where the title of the book comes from you eliminate automate delegate and procrastinate on purpose uh, that's right there are certain times where it makes sense to intentionally delay things alright and that's what we talk about when we're talking about procrastinate on purpose now if the answer is no it cannot wait until later then at that point you know that it is a task that only you and you alone can do and it must be done now and so you concentrate on that activity up here at the top of the focus funnel of your focus funnel you have priority dilution this is no sound or systematic way for establishing and scoring which tasks you should be spending your time on that is chaos that is where you are constantly in reactive mode and not proactive mode it's when you're pulled in a million miles an hour it's where you're working faster than ever before and you're falling further and further behind you send one email out you get two back no matter how much you work on nights or the weekends you never seem to get caught up it's priority dilution always being pulled the latest and loudest now at the bottom here once you have a strong focus funnel set up you have priority concentrate because you know that you are spending your time on the things that only you can do and they are things that create more time tomorrow and that is the one thing that you need it's the one thing I need it's the one thing we all need right is how do we create more time 
Well, these five choices, eliminate, automate, delegate, procrastinate, and concentrate, these five choices of the focus funnel, all of them are things, they're choices that you can make today that will create more time for you tomorrow. Eliminate, automate, delegate, procrastinate, and concentrate. Now, in the, the remaining time that we have for this webinar, unfortunately, we're not going to get time to go through all five of these. This is about a four-hour training to get through all of this because there is a lot here. But what we are going to do is we're going to get through the first couple so that you're getting along the path. But again, remember, the key to how you multiply your time is to spend time on things today that give you more time tomorrow. So, eliminate. Let's talk about eliminate. This is something that we sometimes refer to as the sculptor's principle. And I want to introduce to you or tell you a story about my good friend, Dan Miller. Dan Miller is a best-selling author of a book called No More, Mon no More Dreaded Mondays. Uh, and he has a website called 48 Days. And it's 48 Days basically to the work that you love. He's a career coach. Uh, but more than anything, Dan is an artist. And Dan had a little bit of a predicament a few years ago. You see, there was a uh, Dan lives in a place, uh, 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 several acres of rolling hills in South Nashville, Tennessee, and it's a beautiful place. And um, when you go to Dan's property, he calls it the sanctuary, which is a very fitting name because it's very peaceful. Dan will always take you on this tour, and he shows you around all his property. It's just gorgeous. But one of the highlights of the tour is this old tall dead tree stump this old tall dead tree stump now you might be and it's it's probably i don't know eight feet high maybe nine feet high and it's just this huge dead tree stump you might be saying well rory i don't understand why would anybody care about an old dead tree stump well it's it's a great story with a great lesson you see a few years ago a big thunderstorm came through nashville and the lightning struck this tree that was on Dan's property, this huge tree, and cracked it in half at the, at the base of the tree stump. So the, the tree tipped over, and now Dan was left with this problem. He has this big, giant, dead tree stump. And what most people would do, right, it's pretty obvious. Most people would just call the tree removal service, have them come out, grab the tree stump, pick it up, pull it out of the ground, yank it out, and take it away. But not that way for Dan. As I mentioned, Dan is an artist. He looks at the world creatively. He, like many multipliers, looks at the world differently. And Dan was out walking around, and he looked at that tree stump, trying to figure out what he was going to do, and a thought occurred to him. He said, you know what? I think a bald eagle lives inside of that tree stump. And so Dan called a wood sculptor. He called a wood sculptor, and a woman came out, she took a look around. She saw this tree stump, and she said, yep, I think I can work with that. And a few days later, this is what emerged. Now, I know it's not the, the most high-quality picture, but you can, you can see it there, right? It is this beautiful bald eagle with these spanning wings cut out of an old dead tree stump. So what's the point? Well, the point is this. We have something very valuable to learn from sculptors. See, sculptors are very different from other artists. Most, most other artists start with a clean slate and then they make art by adding something to it. But what sculptors do is very different. Sculptors realize that perfection is not only when nothing more can be added, but also 
when nothing more can be taken away. Perfection is not only when nothing more can be added, but when nothing more can be taken away. And eliminate is the best strategy that most of us can employ to create an immediate and radical change in our schedule. It's by asking ourselves, what can we eliminate? What can we take away? What are all of the things that we're doing that we shouldn't even be worth doing? Next generation time management is as much about deciding what not to do as it is about deciding what to do. Think of all of the things that you get caught up doing that aren't even worth doing. We do it because it came into our inbox. We do it because we feel like we have an obligation. We do it because we feel like we must do everything that comes in our way and we've stopped thinking about how to spend our time. Most of us have made it into a survival mode where we simply try to do everything that comes across our path as fast as possible because efficiency is what we're surviving on. It's just, I got to get it done. I got to get it done. I got to go, 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 get it done fast, 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 fast. And that is not how multipliers think. Multipliers challenge every single meeting, every single email, every single task. They throw it all out and they make it earn its way back into their schedule. They eliminate, eliminate, eliminate. And Peter Drucker said it this way. There is nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which shouldn't be done at all. Hmm, I love that. There is nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which shouldn't be done at all. I love it. But here we go to our fear. To our fear. The number one fear enters in to play why don't we eliminate more why don't you why don't you say no why don't you eliminate why don't you cut things from your life well if you're like me and you're like most people it's because you have a big fat fear of saying no you don't like saying no you don't like letting people down you don't you don't like having to use that word no and it is so hard, it can be devastating that we don't say the word no. So I have a little insight for you. If I could show you a way that you could immediately and permanently overcome your fear of saying no forever, is that something that would be of value to you? I hope that it is. And I promise that I can. It is through the realization of an incredibly empowering insight that we gleaned from the multipliers in our Procrastinate on Purpose study, and that realization is this. You are always saying no to something. Anytime you say yes to one thing, you are simultaneously saying no to something else. You are always saying no to something. Anytime you are saying yes to one thing, you are simultaneously saying no to something else. That is a big deal, right? When you say no, when you say yes to your procrastination, 
you, you're saying no to achieving your goals. When you say yes to watching football, you're saying no to spending time with your kids, right? Anytime you're saying yes to one thing, you are saying no simultaneously to an infinite number of other things. And the reason why most of us don't like saying no is because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But what we don't realize is that we're always saying no to something. And if we're not intentional about what we're saying no to, then we are going to accidentally cause some problems. You are either consciously saying no to the things that don't matter or you are unconsciously saying no to the things that do. You are either consciously saying no to the things that don't matter or you are unconsciously saying no to the things that do. And here enters the first of the five permissions. It corresponds with the choice to eliminate. And that is simply the permission to ignore. You have to give yourself the permission to ignore. What are all the things you can just stop doing immediately? Not things, no warning, no ramp down time, just what are all the things in your life and your business that you can just stop doing immediately? Here's some examples of some great things that we can just, most of us can just stop doing. Second time decisions, that's any time that we delay on making a decision because we know what the right decision is to make, but it's a difficult decision that we don't want to make, so we procrastinate it on, we procrastinate on making that decision now so that we can make it t tomorrow, somehow thinking mistakenly that it will be easier to make that decision tomorrow instead of today. And so then we have to evaluate that decision over and over and over, even though we know what the right decision is to make. So eliminate those decisions. Make the tough decisions. Once you know what the right choice is, make the decision. Make the call. Watching television. According to Nielsen, the average person between the ages of 2 and 64 watches 27 hours of television per week. 27 hours. And, not to worry, if you are over 64, the average person over the age of 64 watches 42 hours of television a week. We work our entire lives so that we can one day retire and then watching TV becomes our full-time job. That is something I have, I have no desire. I want nothing to do with that. And hopefully you don't either. I am grateful for the opportunity to work. Work is a blessing. Work is a gift. Work is something that brings value and meaning to our lives. Um, and within reason, right, within within the con confines of what we're talking about. But you can also eliminate unnecessary chit-chat. How about this one? Unnecessary meetings. Unnecessary meetings at the office. How many meetings are we doing that we have just because it's every Monday we have a meeting, but really there's no reason to have the meeting? Um, long emails are something that you can just eliminate. Long emails are always a challenge, always uh, never, never a good idea. My wife, AJ, has this rule. She calls it the preview pain rule. And she says if any email is longer than a preview than the preview pane then it's too painful to read and you shouldn't send it it should be a phone call so eliminate long emails confrontation emails never ever 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 send something negative over email right there's nothing about that that is going to save you time it's not a time multiplier it's a time divider it costs you more time tomorrow right i love the idea of 
this thinking, oh, I had a fight. You and I have a fight, and we're not getting along, and we're all upset. And then I go back to my desk and go, you know what? I'm just going to write this email. And I'm sure that because email is such a, such a wonderful way to communicate tone, and it's never easy to misinterpret email, that I'm going to send you this perfect email, and you're going to read my perfectly articulate email. And even though you hated my guts when we were face-to-face, -face, you're going to read my email and magically go, oh, now I understand. Thank you, Rory, for explaining it to me so eloquently in email. I was so wrong. I didn't understand when I was talking to you, but now that you've laid it out so nice and art in an articulate fashion, now I understand and I'm wrong. <laughs> Do you think that ever happens? No, absolutely not. Don't send negative emails. Over-volunteering. Over-volunteering is a creative form of uh, priority dilution. It's a deceptive form of procrastination. You know, if you if you really don't want to do something, don't get voluntold, right? Don't get voluntold to do something. Say no if you really mean no, because you're not doing anybody any favors by being halfway committed to doing something you don't really want to do. And being overly thorough is another thing that you can eliminate and save some time. And also, this one is a tough one for me, that is sharing your opinion on everything. I sometimes think we need to have a college course on when to use the reply all button right and and I'm the worst at this I feel like just because I'm included on the email I go oh here they are they need they need my they need my they have summoned my expert opinion they are seeking my wisdom and my expert counsel here I am carbon copied on an email with 25 other people allow me to bestow upon thee my pearls of wisdom right no you know what multipliers do they see if they are carbon copied with other people, they automatically assume that somebody else on that string is is capable of answering it, and so they just delete the email. So that brings us to the first checkpoint question in the focus funnel, and it's very simple. Can I live without it? Can I live without this task? Can I live without it? It is a fantastic question. If the answer is yes, then implement the strategy eliminate it kick it out of the focus funnel by eliminating and the key strategy right as we mentioned earlier say no to the things that don't matter so you can say yes to the things that do say no to the things that don't matter so you can say yes to the things that do now in the remaining time that we have we're gonna have time to go through one more of these and we're gonna fly through it I wanna make sure to give you a couple more of these ideas to help get you kick-started so automate is the second principle and a little story I want to share with you is a while back I had an opportunity to sit down with one of my wealthier friends and we were sitting outside of this Starbucks in this uh, very ritzy part of uh, California we were in southern southern California the place is called Cardiff by the sea and I'm sitting with my friend Darren and I asked Darren this question, and this, the, his response really changed my life. I said, Darren, what do you think is the difference between rich people and everybody else? And Darren thought for a second, and it was a perfect setting because here we are at the Starbucks. The sun is shining. It's beautiful. You can, almost, you can smell like the salt water coming off the sea. And we're sitting outside on this, this steel table and Darren is looking at you know looking at me and all these Maseratis and Bentleys and Rolls Royces are all pulling up in the parking lot and Ferraris and Darren thinks and he says you know Rory I think about it this way 
if we were to go inside of this coffee shop and and I would be able to tell you instantly which people are des are either already rich or destined to be rich. Not by what, what they ordered, by, but if I could hear their thought process. Because he said there's three types of people in the world as it relates to money, generally. He said the first type of person would walk into this coffee shop and they would ask themselves two questions. Their first question would be, do I want this $5 coffee? If they decide that the answer is yes, then their second question is, what do I have to do to get this $5 coffee? And let's call this a, a lower middle class person typically income wise uh, and they'll do anything that it takes to get the coffee they'll beg for it they'll borrow money for the coffee they'll steal it they'll put the coffee on credit card because they're completely governed by impulses now the uh, the second type of person is more of like a middle class average income citizen they would walk in and they would ask themselves two questions also their first question would be do I want this five dollar coffee if the answer is yes then their second question uh, is very fair their question is do I have $5? Right? And that's the very question that you might ask yourself when you walk in to a coffee shop. And that seems like a fair question. And it is a fair question. It's a very fair question. It's a very normal question. It's the way that average people think. And there's nothing wrong with it per se, except Darren said, if you were to look at or or understand and dissect the thinking of a wealthy person, you would see very quickly that their brain operates differently. See, a wealthy person would walk into the coffee shop and they would ask themselves two questions. The first question would be, do I want this $5 coffee? And if the answer is yes, their next line of thinking would be very, very different from the first two types of people. See, a wealthy person knows that if they spend $5 on that coffee, that that is the actual cost of the coffee is $5, but there are much greater costs involved with buying that coffee. For example, a wealthy person knows that $5 spent on that coffee is $5 that they're not investing into their business or into their portfolio, into real estate, or into their personal development and coaching, which, as a side note, wealthy people take very seriously, and wealthy people invest a lot of money into their own personal education. So there's an opportunity cost also of $5, but that's not really where the magic happens. See, the... If a wealthy person were to take that $5 and invest it into, let's say, a good growth stock mutual fund, uh, they know that, uh, let's say that they invested it at something like 8% for 30 years. Now, a wealthy person, doing quick math in their head, would know that 5% invested, or excuse me, $5 invested at 8% for 30 years would actually grow to be worth about $50. So... The second question for a wealthy person is very different. See, their first question is the same. Do I want the $5 coffee? But their second question is not, what do I have to do to get this coffee? And their second question is also not, do I have $5? To a wealthy person, the second question is, is this $5 coffee worth $50 to me 30 years from now? I remember the first time I heard that. I was like, what? That's crazy. Are you kidding me? But he said that is exactly the way that wealthy people think. They see the costs that no one else sees. It's not just the $5 actual cost. There's a $5 opportunity cost. And more than that, there is a $45 cost, which is what you miss out on by not using that $5 in another way, such as in an investment. And in Procrastinate on Purpose, we now refer to that as hidden cost. And what's amazing is that it's the hidden cost that is the greatest cost of all, the $45. And 
everyone sees the $5 actual cost. A few people recognize the $5 opportunity cost, but almost nobody sees the greatest cost of all, which is hidden cost. Now you might be thinking to yourself, okay, Rory, get on with it. Why are we talking about rich people and investing and coffee in a webinar that's supposed to be helping me get better control of my time? Well, it's because it applies so closely. It's what we now call the hidden cost principle. And here's what the big realization is. Automation is to your time exactly what compounding interest is to your money. Automation is to your time what compounding interest is to your money. See, the big insight here is realizing anything that you create a process for today saves you time tomorrow. Anything you create a process for today saves you time tomorrow. Now, if, if you were to ask the average person or if I were to just ask you, I say, are there systems you know that you need that would better improve your office environment? Are there things that, that would better improve your life, technologies that you could invest in or organization or things that you need to change? Or if you just ask the average person, are there systems and processes that you know you need to spend time developing that will make your company stronger? What do you think most people would say? Most people would say yes, right? They would say, yeah, I, I know about this technology that would make it better. I've heard of this or that thing that I really need to do to make my business grow. But if you ask them and you say, well, why don't you do it? Why don't you do that? Why don't you invest in that technology or in that system? Why don't you spend the time to create it? What are they going to say? They are going to say fear number two. Well, I have neither the time nor the money to set it up, which is ironic, right? Because what we just learned is that automation saves you time in the long run. Automation is to your time what compounding interest is to your money. Automation and creating better systems are the very things that give you more money. So what this person is permission missing, the second permission, is the permission to invest. The choice to automate comes along with giving yourself the permission to invest. So a company can never outgrow the strength of its systems. It can never outgrow the strength of its systems. It really, it just can't. So the question you got to be asking yourself is, can this be systematized? Can it be systematized? The first question, right, eliminate, can I live without it? The second question, can it be systematized? And if it can be systematized, then you need to invest. Increase your results by investing into your systems. Increase your results by investing into your systems. So you can see quickly, uh, we've covered some uh, the first two of the five uh, permissions here related to the focus funnel. And this whole idea is, is uh, then you ask about, can I delegate it? And if you can't delegate it, you say, should I procrastinate on it? Should I do it later? Or should I do it now? And, and this is the process that the multipliers go through in their head. I know we're running um, always a little bit short on time, um, and so... Uh, it just helps you clarify and understand what really is a priority. See, a priority is any task that rises to a level of significance that is beyond the convenience of what your schedule allows for. It is something that you protect through the focus funnel. 
priority is protected from the possibility of distraction. And until you accomplish your next most significant priority, everything else is a distraction. Everything else is a distraction. So, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that the way that you multiply your time, again, is by giving yourself the emotional permission to spend time on things today that will give you more time tomorrow. Now, I do want to let you know of something really special that we have put together for you. And this is something that we only do when we are launching a book. It is an incredible offer, um, a chance for you to not only multiply your time, but also improve your self-discipline. Um, I hope and trust that you've gotten something out of this, uh, our time together here so far, and also you've been exposed to the idea that there's a lot more that we haven't even covered. We're not even halfway through the strategies that the multipliers are using. But um, I want to show you how you can get your hands on a copy of the new book, Procrastinate on Purpose. And we are putting together this to make it an absolute no-brainer for you. So if you decide to take us up on this offer, what you're going to get is you're going to get a paperback copy of the New York Times bestseller, my first book, Take the Stairs. It was a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, number two New York Times bestseller. It helps you with the psychology of doing the things you know you should be doing even when you don't feel like doing them and improving your self-discipline. So we're going to send you a paperback copy of Take the Stairs. And if you already have a copy, by the way, then you can give it to a friend or to a spouse or colleague or family member or something like that. Also, we are going to give you a workbook, complete workbook that goes along with our with the new book, Procrastinate on Purpose, that has exercises and key principles from the book. You can print these workbooks off. You can go through them with your team, with your family members, with your church group, with you know whoever you want, with your mastermind group, and you can walk through uh, the workbook. And usually we charge $25 per person for each of those workbooks. We're going to give you the workbook. The third thing is that we're going to give you instant access to a nine-week video coaching course with me on implementing the POP principles. Now, the thing that's cool about that is the Procrastinate on Purpose book doesn't come out until January, but we're going to give you the workbook and the uh, a copy of Take the Stairs and the nine-week video coaching course now. So you're going to start those things now, um, and you're going to get a free preview. And then, of course, we are going to send you the brand new hardcover copy of Procrastinate on Purpose when it comes out in January. The official launch date is January 6th. So here's the deal. All of these things add up to be, I don't know, something like $165 or of, of bonuses, right? Um, but instead, what we're going to do is we're going to give you all of that for $30. It's something that is very rare. If it is a great deal. It's an amazing deal. We do it because this is how we create momentum and pre-sales for the book launch. And wait, <laughs> there's more. So there's one other thing that is very, very special. Um, and if you were, if you've been following me and Southwestern Consulting since before 2012, when we first launched Take the Stairs, uh, you probably got to take advantage of this. And it truly is a limited and rare offer. Um, if you decide to order the book now for 30 bucks, uh, not only are we going to give you Take the Stairs and the hardcover of Procrastinate on Purpose and the workbook and the nine-week video course coaching course. We are also going to send you an exclusive limited edition 
pre-release paperback copy of Procrastinate on Purpose today. Today. So a, a paper a pre-release paperback copy is often called a galley or an advanced reader copy. Uh, now here's the thing. This is only good for the first 4,000 people who order. Uh, obviously we have thousands of people coming through and watching this webinar. And the galley copies are only printed during pre-launch and they're never printed again. They are incredibly rare. It is the exact same book as the book you'll get. Uh, same cover and everything, but it's paperback, and it says across the top, not for resale. It's it's like getting a rookie card or something. It is it is very, very rare, and it's the actual book. So you will get the book now today before it ever comes out. Um, you'll get this galley, and then we'll send you the hardcover. So that means you're getting three books. You're getting the Take the Stairs paperback. You're getting the Procrastinate on Purpose galley copy if you're one of the first 4,000 people to order. And you're getting the hardcover of Procrastinate on Purpose when it comes out in January, along with the workbook for POP and the nine-week video coaching course with POP. You're going to get all of that for $30, uh, which is about the same you're going to pay to buy when the book comes out. The retail on Procrastinate on Purpose is $25 by itself, $24.95. So for $30, bucks, you are going to get all of this. You're going to get it now, and it's just an incentive uh, that – a reason hopefully for you to help us hit our goal of creating a big launch and uh, hopefully so that you can round out your knowledge of what we've covered so far today now in order to take advantage of that offer uh, here's what I want you to do when you get in front of a computer or your phone go to preorder dot procrastinate on purpose dot com that is preorder dot procrastinate on purpose dot com that is the private landing page uh, it'll spell out all the bonuses for you. As I mentioned, you're getting three books here, plus a workbook, plus a nine-week video coaching course. Um, you're going to get all of that for $30. Also, if you already have the Take the Stairs book, it'll show you how you can just do pop um, and still get the other bonuses for like $25. So go to preorder.procrastinateonpurpose.com. Again, preorder, no hyphens, just all one word, preorder. And no www, just preorder.procrastinateonpurpose.com and you'll be able to follow the instructions from there. And I want to leave you with this uh, little anecdote or story. There's a very old story about a, 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 wide, a wise and wealthy master. And he has these three servants. And the wealthy master is going to go away for a while. And so he calls his three servants in to his room and he says uh, to the first servant he says servant I have to go away for a while here I give unto you five talents you know, pieces of coin I give you five talents to take into your care and then when I come back uh, I will call for you when I return and so the first servant goes away a short while later he calls in the second servant and he says servant here I give unto you two talents take them into your care for me and I will call for you when I return then he calls the third servant in, and he says, Servant, here I give unto you one talent. Please take this talent into your care and have it ready for me when, have, have it for me when I come back. When I return, I will call for it. Then the wealthy master went away, and, and a, a while later he came back. And he called in the first servant, the servant that he had given the five talents to. And he said, Servant, I gave unto you five talents. What have you done with my five talents? 
And the servant said, Master, here, I see, I have taken your five talents, and I have turned them into ten talents. Mm. The master says, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Take these ten talents, keep them to yourself, and may you be blessed. He calls in the second servant, the servant, uh, and he says, Servant, to you I gave two talents. What have you done with these two talents? And the servant responds, Master, I have taken these two talents. I've taken them into my care, and I have turned your two talents into four talents. Here are back your four talents. And the master says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Keep these four talents, and may you be blessed. And then he calls in the third servant. And he says, Servant, I gave unto you one talent. What have you done with my one talent? And the servant comes in and he says, Master, I, I was so scared that I would lose your talent. I was so nervous that I would, I would waste it or that it would not be, I would not do well with it. And so I have taken your one talent and I buried it to keep it safe. And here I give back to you your one talent. And the master responds, You wicked and lazy servant. Take the one talent that you have and give it, give it to the servant with ten talents. For he who has done well with what he has been given will be given even more. And he who has not done well with what he has been given, even what little he has, will be taken away. And I love that story because it, it demonstrates an important principle of what we're talking about as it relates to your time. See, we all know that we shouldn't waste time. We kind of know that, and we have an appreciation for time, and we don't want to waste it. But what we're realizing from the multipliers, what I'm realizing from our coaching clients and our consulting clients and all the, the groups that I speak for around the world and, and in my own life, that we know we shouldn't waste time, but it's also not good enough to merely spend time. You see, instead, we must invest time. We shouldn't waste time, and it's not good enough to merely spend time. What we really should be doing is investing our time. Investing our time into what? Investing our time into things that are significant. Investing our time into things today that really matter tomorrow. Investing into people's lives. Investing into your own health. Investing into your dreams, into your goals, into your future, into your business, into your customers. Investing into whatever it is that really matters most to you for the long term and not becoming victims of what is urgent and what is pressing and always falling, you know, losing to whatever is latest and loudest. And so what I've been telling you all along is slightly inaccurate and there would be a better way of saying it. The real truth for how you multiply your time is by giving yourself the emotional permission not to spend time on things today, but to invest time on things today that will give you more time tomorrow. You multiply your time by giving yourself the emotional permission to invest time into things today that will give you more time tomorrow. It's not just a matter of tasks and to-do lists and calendars and checklists. It's really about are you using your life to make a difference? Go out and multiply. Thanks for listening. Thank you.